I think a, a mistake that a lot of people make is they try to choose a niche right at the get-go and it can be very limiting but I think the issue is they just don't know they don't know if it's a profitable one or even even if it is a profitable one is it one that is even enjoyable hey there I'm Preston Lee and I'm Clay Mosley and this is freelance to founder The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On today's episode, we sit down with Margaret Ryland, a brand designer who lives in Connecticut, USA and started her own business not very long ago. Margaret is working hard trying to figure out exactly what kind of client to target, which has left her listening to and reading a lot of advice about quote unquote, finding your niche. This advice isn't uncommon on the internet. In fact, you've probably seen it yourself, but Clay and I worry that Margaret is rushing into niching a little too fast. So in today's conversation, we dissect why finding your niche really isn't all it's cracked up to be and what freelancers should be doing instead. We also talk about earning creative control, ditching proposals, weeding out high maintenance clients, and lots more. This jam-packed episode starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. I'd love to start out, as always, if you can just tell us and the listeners a little bit about your freelance business, what you work on, and where you're at currently with your business. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you guys about business. So um, I started my business a few years ago. At first, I was basically an in-house designer for a publishing company. 
Um, and then I left a couple of years ago to go actually study design because I've been self-taught. And since about September, I kind of restarted my business formally and I'm working on, you know, brand design, a few illustration things here and there. But my goal is to work um, towards niching to like the food and wine kind of sector. Um, and yeah, I just really, what I like to say is I help businesses create personalities so that they can connect with their customers on a more human level. Do you primarily, when you say you do like branding work, what does that entail? Tell us the kind of work that you do kind of on a daily basis. So I'm in an interesting place in my business because I, of where I started and where I came from, I didn't just go get things on Fiverr and Upwork. I kind of was like holding out and still am. So I haven't, I don't have a steady stream of clients and I'm kind of this quarter, I've honestly, like I haven't had a new client this quarter. So I did, I just sent out a proposal yesterday, but, um, Right now, my day-to-day -day looks mostly like working on my business. But as far as the branding work goes, I, I, do, I like to really focus on doing it from a strategic point of view. So like, I was kind of surprised to realize that I don't do a ton of actual designing. Like even, you know, working with a client, I'm, right now I'm kind of getting towards the end of a, a fairly long branding process because there's a lot of collateral involved. And a lot of it was kind of more mind work and like trying to discover their goals, where they want to go, and then translating that to a visual, a visual medium that speaks to their target audience. You mentioned that, that you didn't rush to Fiverr or Upwork. And by the way, Fiverr and Upwork aren't awful places to start a freelance yeah. business or even to build a freelance business. You know, I know lots of freelancers who uh, make a very good living on either of those platforms or a combination of multiple platforms. But you didn't go there because maybe because you, it feels like you see yourself almost more as a consultant, um, like a partner yes. instead of just sort of, um, uh, an artist or, or pushing pixels even, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of, if you're a logo designer, maybe you just go offer logo gigs on Fiverr, whereas you, it feels like are more interested in sort of building out this more of a consultant vibe. Yes, exactly. And I really, that's actually helpful for me to hear because I think that's in some ways at the heart of some of my struggles because it's hard to find when I don't have a ton of experience, it's hard to find clients who want to pay for that. And it, because it takes a really long time as opposed to, I mean, yeah, I can crank out a logo for fun and, you know, a couple of hours, but yeah, I definitely do, do want to kind of have a more like holistic part of the process and, and really partner with the person and and like you're going to spend a lot of time with them and kind of engage on a longer term than just you know okay you need a logo here's one which there, as you say there's no there's nothing wrong with that that's a perfectly great business model and in some sometimes I thought maybe that would be more fun like I don't design as much as I thought I would right. you know so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something interesting I've noticed Clay I don't know if you've noticed this too we've done maybe four or five of these calls so far and there's there's this definite um, difference between like freelancers who are just want to be artists and just want to make, 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 create, 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 which there's nothing wrong with. Yes. And then there's these other, this other breed of freelancers who are like, okay, I realize this is a business. I have to build systems. I have to think ahead about what this might look like in six or 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a very good point. Um, I think those are two totally different, uh, <laughs> which uh, there, there can be some overlap, but I think those are two different animals. I would say, um, but I, I would, I'm, I'm very curious how, how long, maybe you mentioned it and, and maybe I missed it. How long you've been doing this and, and what kinds of clients are you working with right now? I, I've been doing this since 2000, late 2014, I've been designing, but for the first three and a half years, um, I 
I was doing only books. So I designed the covers. I did all the interior layout types, typesetting. It's a very different animal. And then as far as kind of more branding design, I started doing it in school, you know, in September, I guess, 2018. And as far as like actual client work, just since this past fall. And um, the type of clients, I've kind of been sort of taking anyone. I work with photographers. Right now, I'm working on a proposal for kind of like a personal coach and then a fashion brand that are, they're kind of trying to do a blog startup thing. So it's sort of an all over, which is part of the struggle, I think, because I think to kind of be more consultant, you have to really know about the client's business and not just know how to design. We do an interview with everyone who comes on the show, Margaret, where we ask you on a scale of freelance to founder, freelancer being one, founder being 10, where do you currently see yourself? And then where do you want to see yourself in six to 12 months? You told us that you're currently a one. So you're, you're like full-fledged freelancer. And I give this disclaimer every time, just because it's a lower number, I should put freelancer at 10. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like it's just a scale, right? There's, there's not a bad place to be on this scale, but Mm -hmm. you're a full-fledged freelancer. So you're a one, but you said in the next six, 12 months, you want to be a six. So past the halfway mark on the, on the scale of freelance to founder. And so we'd like to really dive into, you know, what, what that might look like for you in, in a six to 12 month period. I know you also told us maybe some of the struggles you're facing. I'd like to maybe start with that one. The idea of like kind of not knowing who to or how to niche down or or not knowing which industry to target or if you need to niche down or how far to niche down. Like there's this idea of niching in freelancing that can be troublesome for a lot of people. This is a highly debatable topic is niching down. Um, (laughs) Totally. And I have my take on it and it and whether to target certain industries and whatnot. There's a, I think, I think a, a mistake that a lot of people make is they, they try to choose a niche or an industry right at the get-go. And, and it can be very limiting, which mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, like if you specialize in a certain industry or niche, that can be very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the issue, the, why it's a mistake to do that right from the get-go is because a lot of it's because they just don't know. They don't know if that's the right industry or if that's the right niche. Okay. Yeah. And they don't know if it's a profitable one or even, even if it is a profitable one, is it a one that is even, even, even enjoyable. And so what my advice there is a couple of things. I almost like, let, like to let it happen naturally and organically Okay. is you kind of like, and I'm sure Preston's got a different take on this. Um, but I, I almost think if you just like work with a variety of different industries and then after a little bit of time, okay, what are the ones that are one, not just profitable, but two are actually enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Um, so like if, if you just, if you just kind of let that happen organically, then I, I think that's a good way of, of trying to quote unquote, choose a niche or an industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side of it too is it, you don't have to, and this is what I do. Okay. This is my, my, what I did with my agency that I used to have. You don't have to choose a particular industry or niche, like one singular industry or niche. I think you can choose multiple industries mm-hmm. or niches as long as you have the processes that fit across all of them right? So like, for example, 
what I did was with my, my agency, uh, we had, we basically said, okay, we cater to all service providers. So I, I see a lot of people saying, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to specialize in just chiropractors or just lawyers, right? Well, the processes between a lawyer and a, a chiropractor can be very, very similar because they both provide services. And so that's what I did. And so like by, by saying that my quote unquote niche is service providers, um, that allowed me to, to not only go outside of like chiropractors or outside of, of lawyers or outside of HVAC or plumbers or whatever, I'm able to cater to multiple uh, verticals, right? Multiple industries, but my processes are still the same no matter what. Can I chime in here? And then Margaret, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. For sure. Yeah. So I agree with you, Clay, actually. I think, I think sort of organically finding your niche, it seems like a much better fit. There's just, there's so much you don't know. And there's so much that you don't know, you don't know, right? There's just infinite yes. unknowns in, in selecting a niche. And so to like say, I'm only going to, you know, I'm going to turn down work unless it's from a lawyer or whatever, especially in the early days of freelance. You know, I just listened to um, How I Built This with uh, Casey Neistat, which, you know, I have mixed feelings about him, but he had this, uh, this, he kept telling this story about his early days of building his, his basically his freelance business. And he was like, and I just took every job there was. And I just thought that was super interesting because, you know, here's this guy now who can be super selective with the kind of work that he does. Um, but in the early days, he just took whatever because he realized it was about getting money in the door so that he could eventually yeah. have that freedom and flexibility. I also remember uh, hearing a story about um, Nathan Barry, who's the founder of ConvertKit. Yeah. And he, he did sort of what Clay was saying in, in his second part of his comment, which was he selected a niche which was, I'm trying to remember, like food bloggers or something, right? So uh, ConvertKit is, a, is an email service for bloggers. And he maybe went to food bloggers first and he like targeted these five big names, big influencers in the food blogging space. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they adopted, all the other follow along bloggers yeah. followed them because like they're the cool kids on the block. And then after he dominated, and then it looked like everyone, quote unquote, everyone in the food blogging niche was using ConvertKit. And once that was sort of humming along, then he did like, fitness blogs and he he found a few influencers in the fitness blog space and um and as soon as it looked like quote unquote everyone in fitness blogging was using convert kit he moved on to you know business blogs or finance blogs or whatever and he did that a few times him and his team until pretty soon they had a pretty good share of of uh of the market in terms of bloggers using their product so you can move from niche to niche if you have those systems set up like clay said and it can end up being um, a pretty pretty great way to build little segments of your business that can grow on their own. Yeah, I really, I really like that point. And that's everything that you both just said is actually really helpful to me because I think I sometimes get a little bit stressed out by the fact that I'm not niching immediately because yeah. everyone that I hear, at least in the kind of industry, I listen to podcasts or read blogs says, you know, niche, niche, niche. And I don't, yeah, it's hard to know like how to get there if you still, you know, the people that are coming to you are not you know, in a specific right. niche and they're kind of all over the place, you know, yeah. helpful to know that it's okay to, to have it that way. And, and I liked your idea, Clay, about the kind of having a vertical where the processes are the same. That seems like it could be really helpful. Yeah. I, I think uh, it, I almost look at it as like reverse engineering, right? So like, yeah. I, I would say, uh, look at your own process and mm -hmm. how you do things and mm -hmm. then choose whatever type of client fits that process. 
Okay. Because like, you know, if you, if you look at like the web design world, it's a much different process if I'm designing a website for just a local mom and pop coffee shop um, versus a big e-commerce website with thousands of products, right? That's two completely different things. And my process would be completely different, which is why I, whenever I had my agency, I chose to not do the big e-commerce sites because my process internally did not fit that. And so it's, it's all about efficiency. So like your, your profitability, what affects the bottom line is, uh, you know, efficiency, uh, is, is a big factor and the more efficient you are, uh, then the more profitable you are. So yeah, yeah, it'll affect your burnout too, right? Like your, or your bandwidth in the early days of before, before you're getting closer to that six number on the scale, when you're still at a one or a two, you're going to risk burnout as you start to build up your freelance business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you have, yeah, six different kinds of projects all at once <laughs> that you can't follow a process and it just takes yeah. so much personal involvement, not only can you burn out, then you also lose out on time. You know, the more efficient you can be with your time, then the more time you can spend marketing yourself, yeah. building these systems and processes and actually building the foundation of what you'll need in order to get to that six or 10 level of, of being closer to building an agency. Or- yeah. Exactly. It's almost like the, uh, the laws of physics, right? So like if you, if you're pushing a, uh, a big ball, like a big boulder, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of energy to get that thing going. But once it's going, it's like, it's, it takes way less energy to keep it rolling. But if yeah. you had to stop and start pushing that thing the other way, <laughs> there you go. You're going to have to stop and spend way more energy to try to get that thing going in a different direction. So yes. that's kind of the way I look at it. You can't, you can't go against the laws of physics, right? Yeah. No, and I think that's one reason why I have, I have consciously chosen to like turn down projects, even in this early stage when I sometimes even think that I'm crazy for turning, turning them down is because I, I didn't want to get so busy doing client projects that I couldn't keep the that I couldn't provide a good experience for my clients if that makes sense yeah that makes total sense um, because like if you if you are not able to uh, to provide the service that you need to once you get them as a client uh, then one you risk losing them right yeah but, exactly. but also you risk losing them for life becoming a loyal client and you also risk the number of referrals that they might be able to send yeah. you so it's yeah. like yeah, or the bad, bad word of mouth marketing, right? Oh, the negative. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is even worse. Right. I always tell people, um, whenever it comes to their, their sales pipeline, right. It's like a lot of people focus on, okay, how many news can we like, we just need to get new sales, new clients, new clients, new clients. But if you're, if, if you're losing clients left and right, like there's no point in filling the bucket. If you have a big hole in the, in the bottom of it, yeah. right. You got to patch that hole at the bottom uh, by providing really good service, and then mm-hmm. you then you can start filling in the bucket with new clients. So that's kind of mm-hmm. that's a very good point. Yeah, that makes sense. I think this ties into about a, a one of the questions that you submitted um, in this questionnaire, which was the idea of balancing jobs that uh, don't further your goals or don't pay well versus holding out like holding out, but then not getting jobs. Like it's kind of this weird dichotomy that early freelancers always face of, do I, you know, do I take that small job that takes me away from pursuing bigger jobs because I need the money? 
maybe maybe that's the issue we're facing. I, I maybe you could clarify that for us a little bit, Margaret. Yeah. So I think what I meant by that is there could be a time when you need to take a client because you need you know you need the five hundred dollars or whatever it's going to be you know right. to pay your rent or whatever. And I'm kind of in the lucky situation of living rent free because I live in my parents' house, so I don't have this immense financial pressure which is nice in a way, but it also, it gives me more flexibility to turn down stuff. But then by not furthering my goals, I mean, you know, I might do a, there have been opportunities where I don't think I would want to put the project in my portfolio. So nothing comes out of it except money. And usually in those cases, it's not very much money. And so I don't really want to take it, but then I'm sometimes wonder, am I being too picky? You know, am I, should I be just taking whatever comes because I'm in the early days? You know, does that, does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And I think it's a really common question for early day freelancers. Uh Um, We're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our sponsors, and then we will be right back with some advice. I have a couple of ideas. I'm sure Clay is spinning up some ideas in his mind as well. We'll be right back. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400 hydro.com promo code freelance, or just click the link in our show description. All right, great. We're back. So uh, again, we're back to this question of like, uh, am I being too picky by not, you know, or am I not being picky enough? What's the right balance, especially as a young freelancer, Clay, what's your take, man? Uh, So here's my take. I, I 100% understand like you just have to take on projects because you need the money. I understand that. I have been there. 
I sold websites for super inexpensive when I did not want to. Um, there is, there is the, the idea of, okay, I just need to eat and yeah. I need to pay the bills. I understand that. And, and if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. However, I think there's a more of a macro level uh, view here. And so if you want to, if you want to start attracting, I think there's, I think there's an issue here. I think what might be is like, what is the, what are you putting out there in the world to attract these types of projects? Right. If you continuously see your, like, if you continually, continuously see in, inbound projects that are coming in that are projects that you do not want to take, um, then there's, there's a bigger issue here. Yeah. Um, I would say the issue is it could be the way you portray yourself online. Maybe it's the way your website looks. Um, maybe you just need, maybe it's a branding issue. Maybe it's the content that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a number of different variables. So that, that's kind of my take on that. Um, and I think if, if you make some changes um, and you're not going to know, that, that's a hard process to try to figure out and go through, um, especially yeah. if you're kind of, you know, starting out. Um, you're just not going to know that. And, yeah. but it, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of trial and error to figure mm-hmm. out what that is. And so, um, I don't know, Preston, you have anything to say on that? Yeah, I love that. I'd love to hear what Margaret's thinking. You know, it, d- does any of that resonate? Like, is, are you sort of hearing what Clay's saying and, and going, oh yeah, no, I need to change this or change this or adjust that. I mean, what, what's resonating yeah. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And it's actually, it's kind of funny because since I think I filled out the questionnaire, I've actually made, I have made some changes, including putting daily content on my Instagram, which is where I'm kind of focusing right now. And, um, and have got some more interested people that would be better fits, including this one propo- thing that I just sent a proposal for yesterday. Um, before that, it was mostly word of mouth. But yeah, because before that, it's really only in the last couple of months that I've gotten serious about my like Instagram game and I just started blogging and, and that, that kind of thing. So I'm still definitely really working on that. And you're right. I really need to continue to, to, to do that, to really have like the consistent good content that people can see and, you know, be attracted to and see the value in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Clay and I are both uh, content marketers marketers or um, digital marketers like we both mm-hmm. we both play that game all the time that's how we run our businesses it's a lot of the primary ways we promote our businesses mm-hmm. but I but I always love to give this sort of exercise especially mm-hmm. to early freelancers um, because I did notice in here you said you know uh, one of one of the hurdles you said that you were facing was knowing how to attract the right kinds of clients so I love that our conversation has moved this direction you yeah. did say you're working on you know, like you just mentioned, working on visibility through content marketing, Instagram, Pinterest, your blog. I loved, I always love to sort of issue an invitation or a challenge to, to newish freelancers mm-hmm. to pretend for a moment that those things don't exist. Not, not to stop using them, like keep, you can keep mm-hmm. using them. But Im- imagine if you didn't have Instagram or you didn't have a blog, because those are going to be great long-term assets and, and you will you will eventually find clients through those avenues. But in the beginning, it can be slow going to sort of build up an audience or a following or a reputation. 
Instead, if you can, if you can imagine that those services don't exist, all of a sudden your mind starts thinking of ways that you can get clients right now that you can get clients like tomorrow. You know what I mean? That's a a lot more sort of outbound style outreach instead of, instead of putting feelers out in the world and hoping people come to you, you're aggressively going out into the world and saying, I'm available for hire. I would love to work with you. Here's what I can deliver for your business. And it sort of helps you, yeah, change your mindset on how you can find some of your earliest best clients. Maybe it's just that I need to learn to have a thick skin and, you know, take your, don't you have a cold emails course or something? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So like take that course and just, you know, think, okay, I don't care how many rejections or ignore, you know, people ignoring me I get, I'll just keep trying, you know? Um, so it's really, yeah, that's really challenging and I should think about that more. Yeah. And I think that'll come more naturally too, as you understand the value that you bring to a company. So it, it, it feels a little bit awkward and sleazy and salesy right now because you're like, I'm trying to get them to pay me money for a thing that maybe they don't really need. Yeah. Instead, if you know what you're providing and the value that you're bringing company, if you can say, you know, clients I've worked with have seen whatever, a 50% increase in blah, 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 some business metric, right? If you can identify Mm -hmm. those actual value points, usually in revenue, because that's what businesses care the most about a lot of times. If you can identify those metrics, then it's a lot easier to say, I'm valuable for your business. And then you reach out to a business and you say, I'm available for hire. Oh, and by the way, if you hire me, it's very likely that you'll see an increase in X, Y, Z. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I love this because I will tell you, even though you might be a little bit nervous to put yourself out there, I 100% was like that when I first started. There's nothing more nerve wracking than getting in. If I'm going to go in person and talk to a group of like 10, 20, 50 people, like that's the worst situation you could put me in. So I, I want to put this out there because and I think local business is, is, is a gold mine. And I think that's yeah. something a lot of freelancers do not want to hit. Um, and it could be for a variety of different reasons. But I think that I think if you just put yourself out there and go network, just start talking to people. Yeah. Um, I think I think a really good way of thinking about this, especially for you introverts that are listening to this, just go make friends. And just make sure they know what you do for a living. Like yeah. it's super easy to do that. And then also, if you truly believe in what you what you do for your clients, and you truly believe that that it is going to help them, then because you are going to help them, and it's yeah. in their best interest. So if you think of it that way, I think it's like oh, you know, I don't want to sell because I don't want to be sleazy or whatever. But I honestly think if it's, if your service will actually help them, then I think you have a moral obligation to do it. That's a really powerful statement. <laughs> I'm going to think about that. It is. And a lot of people like when they hear that, they're just like, what? <laughs> it changes how you, how you think about what you offer. And, and it forces yourself to reconsider what you're offering. Like, okay. are, are the services you're offering actually valuable to people, right? Yeah. Can they actually get, can they actually extract business value out of what you're offering? I I already, I feel like you're already doing well on that path. Like you're already headed in the right direction, at least calling it, you know, branding or identity instead of logo design. Like that's Mm -hmm. already a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. or or thinking of yourself as a consultant instead of just a designer or something that's already a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So I think you're well on your way. I'd love to wrap up this episode, Margaret, by uh, asking what questions you have left. What have we not talked about that you hoped we would talk about? So when we get back from this quick break from our sponsors, 
we're going to hit you up for any final questions and then round out this episode. All right, Margaret, what have we left out? What have we missed? What do we still need to chat about? Okay, so I'm really curious. I think we emailed about this briefly. I'm curious about, um, Clay, your decision to not have proposals and have full creative control. So for the, for the listeners, Margaret, great question. Can you give us a quick, like, 20-second background of, of what you're referring to and, and why this question came up for you? I was thinking in preparing for this about how my own process is, you know, the proposal process is very, very long. And I listened to an episode of Freelance to Founders where you were interviewed, Clay, and you said that you didn't use proposals and you had full creative control. And if someone wanted an opinion on the design, that was too bad. And that really intrigued me, honestly. Yeah, so the, those, those are two different points, right? So the proposal yeah. thing was, um, I, I did the same thing, and this is a common thing, um, where I, I spent a lot of time giving proposals, spending, spending a, a ton of time creating them yep. uh, and sending them to prospects that I knew that were dead ends, right? Yeah. Um, so I, if you just sit there and do the math, that how much time I'm sure you waste doing that, then it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of hours. It was for me. And so I made the decision of, okay, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Um, yeah. so I, and this is a debatable thing. Okay. Uh, but I put my, my pricing on my website and, mm -hmm. and of course I put a little asterisk at the bottom. Okay. Like, oh yeah. Pricing can vary depending on the project, but mm -hmm. This all goes back down to processes too, right? Yeah. So if you think about it, if you have the same process every single time and you, you are targeting the same type of person that fits mm -hmm. those processes, your prices shouldn't, in my opinion, should not change that much. Yeah. Um, now, you could put the disclaimer down there that it could change. But so I decided to put, the, my, put my prices on the website. And then anytime I talk to a, a prospect and they're like, hey, can you send me a proposal? And I'm like, just go to the website. It's all, of the, all the information's there, right? So yeah. I, I, I ended up not wasting a whole ton of time to prospects that I thought might be a dead end. Um, and also by putting the pricing on the website, it kind of filtered out, filtered a lot of people out. Okay. Um, so yeah, I got less, I got less inquiries, but the ones that I got were much, much higher quality because they had already looked at my pricing. Okay. Um, so that, you know, as far as the proposals, of course I had an agreement, you know, if somebody said, yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'll send you an agreement. Yeah. 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 Um, but that makes sense. as far as the full creative, um, that was just one of those decisions and this might help you too, uh, because you want to target the, the, the clients that want to, that are super high quality where you can, where you can charge maybe a little bit higher fee. Um, that was just a decision that I decided, I decided I, I, I was taking on clients that I'm like, um, you know, I was taking in whatever I can get, like the $200, $500, whatever, just yeah. so I can put food in my mouth. Mm -hmm. But I found that those clients were the ones that are way more high maintenance, way more high maintenance. Yeah. Um, so I decided I, not only did I raise my fee, uh, but I said, you have to give me full creative. And that was the agreement. And that was the expectation on the front end. And I did not, I decided to not take on a client unless they agreed to that. And so, uh, my, my clients, uh, that I took from that point forward were, were a lot easier to work with. 
Um, and they were much, they were a much higher caliber, uh, as far as like quality of client. Okay. That's really interesting. Were they always satisfied in the sense that you just were able to understand what they wanted and so that what you gave them in the end was they were happy with? 90, 95% of the time. Yes. Whenever, if, if you, if you decide to raise your fees and you decide to, uh, take on a client only if they agree to full create, giving you full creative, those are the types of clients that understand that they are hiring you for a reason. And the reason is because they don't know how to do this. Yeah. Right. They yeah. understand that there's this gap, um, where in the sales process, there's, there's a scale, right? So, and in this scale, there's a small gap in the middle where those are the, cl the clients that you want. If they, mm -hmm. if those, those, those people, if they're on the left side of the gap or the right side of the gap, but may, maybe on the left side of the gap, they, they don't have like, they don't have the money. They don't have the budget or maybe on the right side of the gap is they think they know more about it than you do. Yeah. Then you don't take them as a client. The, yeah. the magic, the magic is where they fit inside the, the gap there. Um, okay. that kind of scale. And so you have to kind of set those parameters. And one of those parameters for me was, if I was talking to a, a prospect and I could tell you, and everybody can tell that is it a, is it a kind of a know-it-all client that they've, they've quote unquote done SEO on, on them on their own. Right. Or they've built their own website. Mm -hmm. Um, but they want to hire you for whatever reason, but they always have their two cents to, you know, no matter yes. what, what you do. Um, yeah. to me, that was someone on outside of that magical gap. Um, so I, I would f politely recommend uh, somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. And again, I love what Clay said. Like, like you have to sort of decide what, what you like and what you don't about clients, right? Some, some freelancers yeah. might like a client who gives their opinion every step of the way. Yeah. Um, Clay didn't. I know a lot of freelancers don't, but some, you know, some may and some do. So yeah. yeah, it just depends on what, what you're looking for in a freelancer. But I love that idea of like, you know, we've, we've, this is a great way to round out this conversation because we started talking about niching. And when you hear about niching, you, you sort of picture industries or company sizes, but maybe a good way to niche down in the beginning is to say, I, I only work with clients that fulfill sort of these requirements in terms of, you know, how much creative liberty I get or how much creative control I get or how much feedback they give or something like that. So that could be a cool way to approach that. Interesting. Yeah, that's a really neat idea. I'll think yeah. about that. Good. Well, we always like to end each episode with a sort of invitation or a challenge, uh, some homework. I'd actually, I'd like to actually turn this one around on you, Margaret. I feel like there's been a lot of actionable advice in this episode. Um, what, what are, what's one thing that you would like to try to do over the next few months that you think could make an impact on your business? I've been listening to Brian Castle, his yeah. productized podcast. So I would love to not spend as much time on like dealing with proposals. Yeah. So just, I think work on that idea of productizing or however you want to put it, just these are my prices and therefore you, therefore you, this client, if you're in this particular situation. Excellent. I love that. Uh, would it be okay with you if we check back in maybe in a few months and we could see sure. how that's going? Uh, we'd love yeah. to see, you know, like if we'd love to see maybe the, the packages you've come up with, how much they cost, if there's been any client reaction to those packages and and um, if you've adjusted anything as you've gathered feedback so that that could be fun to check in in a few months if you're okay with that yes i would love that clay is there anything before we close out the episode that you wanted to add so i i just want to i just want to make 
almost give you a challenge as well, like an additional challenge, is to never stop your sales activity. Um, Because I, and you had mentioned that word of mouth is pretty much how you've been getting your clients at this point. And so um, by relying just on word of mouth, which is uh, just one sales activity, which you cannot control, by the way, (laughs) um, that creates a bottleneck. So I would challenge you to do some, try some other things, but, but be very consistent about it. Because if you, if you do more than just one sales and marketing strategy, if you do multiple, but, and you're, you're continuously doing that, that will keep your pipeline filled. No, that's really helpful. Thank you. Excellent. Well, well done, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on the show, Margaret. Thank you so much for taking time to let us dive into your business a little bit and be vulnerable a little bit. I know that can be difficult. Um, so we really appreciate you taking the time to do it. And I think the future is bright for you. I think you, you're well on your way. And, and uh, it sounds like you've got you know, your head in the right place in terms of your mindset. So that'll, that'll take you a long way. And we're excited to see what happens over the next few months and years. Thank you so much, Preston and Clay. I really enjoyed being on and it was an honor to talk with you both. So thank you. Great. Well, we'll talk again soon. Take care. Sounds good. You too. Thanks. Bye. Freelance to Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance to Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Karud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.